Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from a top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got the italian stallion mr johnny crypto billy the chart analysis expert and nft tones is joining us on this friday so i'm very excited for today's show Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the internet of value is changing the world of finance forever, bringing trillions of tokenized assets to many of our favorite blockchains. David Schwartz shared a document of 10 things all XRP investors need to know to truly understand this asset, as the World Bank and IMF announced a global meeting on April 24th, stating this will provide world crypto standards. Dubai is quickly becoming the crypto capital of the world, while the SEC chairman Gary Gensler is doing all he can to push innovation outside of the United States, claiming that America has crypto rules. They're called securities law. And with the global banking system shifting before our eyes, we break down the details, showing our community how this systematic shift happens once in a lifetime. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So the Italian Stallion, we got a bunch of great news prepared for this Friday. But first, how you feeling, my friend? Thanks for making time for us. Well, I'm feeling great, Abs. It's Friday. So happy Friday, everybody. Actually, it's Good Friday today. So happy Good Friday to everybody out there today. Happy Easter. Hopefully, you guys all have a safe, happy, good time. But let me start out like I always do, Abs, to the crew. Good morning to all the war maniacs out there. We love you guys. Appreciate you. Susie, Ivan, Verhoof, Intraducal, everybody who shows up out there. Love you guys. Really appreciate it. Great to see you all. Great to see Billy and my man Tones. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. And Billy, we're going to get into some fantastic news for today, whether it's XRP, Bitcoin, we're going to touch it all. But we are definitely going to talk about the United States raising the debt ceiling to $50 trillion in the next couple of years. Before we get into that, how are you feeling, my friend? Thanks for making time for us. Team. Ah, and I can't believe I get to be on with Tones, man. It's always good to see the man in the house, the man, the myth, the legend. And you cannot demote a God to Lord because he's a God and you can't ever change the fact. Don't disrespect my boy like that. There you go, NFT Tones. I'm not sure I understood what Billy said there, but I hope you did, my friend. How you feeling? <laughs> Thanks for being here. I did understand what he means by that, but good morning, and it's good to be back, and I love it. So I'm bringing the energy today, and uh, let's hop right into this thing, shall we, Ed? Yeah, let's do it, NFT Tones. And we're going to start the show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 3,631 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is sitting in greed at a 64 this morning. When we check out some of the daily movers, Engine Token is one of the only big movers today, up about 15%. Let's check out the total coin market cap as we are sitting at 1.17 trillion total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. 
We've got Bitcoin sitting at 27,900, Ethereum 1850, XRP is 50 cents, Cardano is 38, and let's scroll down to Quant Network sitting at 119 this morning. So some bearish price action for Quant this week. And guys, we got 163 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and we're going to start off this show with an interesting video explaining how the banking system was always broken. So we're going to play this short clip and go back to the group here. Here we go. All the banks are broke. They're broke because we have a system called fractional reserve banking. Banks can lend money that they don't actually have. It's a criminal scandal and it's been going on for too long. Most of the problem starts in politics and central banks, which are part of the same political system. We have counterfeiting, sometimes called quantitative easing, the artificial printing of money, which if any ordinary person did, they'd go to prison for a very long time and yet governments and central banks do it all the time central banks repress the amount of interest that rates are so we don't have the real cost of money it's central banks that manipulate interest rates and plus underneath all this we talk loosely in a rather cavalier fashion about deposit guarantees so when banks go broke through their own incompetence the taxpayer picks up the tab it's theft from the taxpayer and that's perfect place to pause it, Johnny, because we just witnessed that earlier in the past couple of months. Banks are incentivized to take high-risk investments when there's no penalty for failing. If you make a bad investment and you get free money from the background, there's no reason to be safe with your money. So really, really quickly before we get into the show, what does that video mean to you, man? <laughs> I mean, that guy just said in 30 seconds the whole <laughs> – everybody who has it, go watch that video again and again. He just described to you the whole entire system in 30 seconds or whatever that was, a minute. And, and entirely how corrupt and, and how, you know, the whole thing's built basically on a house of cards. Now, you guys probably don't know what cards are because you and Tones are too young to know that. But they're the little things you used to play, you know, games with. But nowadays, everything's computerized. But it was basically, we call this a house of cards, Abs. And what that means is it's very unstable. And it can collapse almost instantly. And that's what you see happening when you have a system. Now, if you remember, Abs, there was a proposal by a bank to say, hey, we're going to keep 100%. Cash on hand. I forgot the name of the bank. We we talked about it on this show maybe about a week ago, and they <laughs> they got denied, saying they were unsafe. You just can't make this stuff up. I I I don't. I can't. I I, I can't figure it out. Abs. I just I, I don't know. You can't make it. Up. Johnny, you you know our generation does go to the casino, right? We know how we know uh, what cards are. Yeah, but you guys go to the digital casino. That's no. no. <laughs> Not yet, Johnny Crypto, not yet. But we're going to play an interesting video right now explaining why this banking system was always built to fail, driving the United States debt up to 50 trillion. That puts the power back in the hands of the government and away from the people by leveraging that debt. We're going to play this short clip and go right back to the group here. Here we go. You're going to drive the debt from somewhere around 32 trillion up to about 50 trillion dollars, correct? Yes, but what what I believe is the single most important important metric Hobbit. the fiscal stance of the country is real net interest as a share of GDP. Okay. Have, so so are you uh, concerned when you GDP. when you take the debt from 32 to 50 trillion dollars, are you concerned who's going to buy that debt? And also at what rate they'll expect to be compensated for buying riskier and riskier debt. Are you concerned about that? Well, if the net interest, real net interest cost of the debt remains low relative to GDP and we're on a sustainable fiscal. But we're, we're not, we're not, we're not. On a well, sustainable I, path. Billy, this is so funny. I want to play these last 10 seconds here one more time and break it down. Interest, real net interest. Are you concerned about that? Well, if the net interest, real net interest cost of the debt remains low relative to GDP and we're on a sustainable fiscal. But we're, we're not, we're not. That is so, 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 so funny. So what they do here is they basically just use words that the average person can't understand. What she's talking about is she's saying debt has to keep up with gross domestic product. But what we're witnessing today is every dollar in the system is already leveraged debt. So when you're purchasing an additional 25, 30 trillion dollars in debt, it's the worst thing an, uh, an adverse government could do, and they're not incentivized to do it at all. Janet Yellen knows that, and that's why she uses this jargon and this wordplay to confuse people. So, Billy, I'd love to get some thoughts from you, and then we'll continue. Man, this is, and I'm going to do some analogies here, <clears throat> and I'm not trying to disrespect you know, the wrestling community or anything like that. But it's, it's like in the real world right now, people are so enslaved, and, and they want to be told what to do. They don't want to figure out shit on themse for themselves, 
And it's like people are sitting back watching politics and the banking system like it's the WWE. You know it's bullshit. You know it's fake. But you still watch it wondering what's going to happen. And you know everything behind the scenes is made up. It's all BS. So it's it's crazy because if people really sat down and list, just like we heard her say, they can't continue on this path. Just like when he was talking about, you know, the dollar is dead. It's been a Ponzi scheme since the beginning. And the fact that, you know, we're just now catching on to it. And the reason we're catching on to it is now we have the information available to us and we're actually able to see it and what's really going on. But in this time and age, People don't want the truth. They want to be told what to do and they want the easy way out. Because if you find out the truth, then you're probably going to have to do something about it. And at that point, you're going to have to change your life. Uh, yeah, my bad. Got off in the weeds on that one. That's all good. I want to hear from Johnny as well. Johnny, we're about to show our listeners a really interesting list of, a, of an article that David Schwartz commented on showing XRP investors 10 things they need to get right. But before we do that, I want to get your thoughts on Janet Yellen and the fact that she's anticipating raising the debt ceiling another $20 trillion for United States citizens. I mean, that's just going to be the kiss of death, right? The end for the dollar. I mean, the, the, the sad part about when you continue to not have a monetary policy that reduces debt and increases debt is it just means you're going to uh, inflate the dollar more. Now, here's the problem with this. The only reason why the USA can get away with that right now is because we are the world reserve currency. And no matter what we do, other nations have to take it on. 70% of countries outside the U.S. own and have to hold U.S. dollars. Okay. Now, that number is going down. And as as the BRIC nations form another world reserve currency abs and they start trading outside the dollar, you're going to have two things happening. Not only you got Yellen raising the, the debt to $50 trillion, but then you're going to have all these nations that don't have to hold it no more. And that is going to come home to roost like you ain't never seen before. And this is why I say, you know, and you bust on it, you don't, you don't believe in it, that's okay. But you got to have things like gold, silver, real estate, uh, crypto, and I'm not saying you don't agree with those things, but I know you're not you're not much of a gold bug. Uh, but the reality is, I know you look at gold and you say ah, it hasn't done great. You know what? Gold has done an eight x eight x since 2003, and who the hell knows what it's going to do when it is no longer when the dollar is no longer the world reserve currency? I have a feeling you're going to see way more than an eight x in gold. And again, I'm not a gold bug. I don't know this. It's just my gut talking to me saying, hey, when the dollar is no longer needed and there's that much of it just dropping everywhere. And when I look at all the central banks, everybody buying all the gold in the world, something's telling me, you know, it's time to buy gold. And Johnny, we referenced this yesterday on the show, the gold price chart as well as silver right now is looking better than ever. And we're showing it for many of our listeners who are watching on YouTube. The gold price chart has been in a bullish pattern right now. And he's showing it a six X since early 2000. And the chart is right here. Went from about $200 to just under two grand. And many people are anticipating a breakout here, Billy, that could take us to $3,000 gold. I don't believe that to be the case, but I do think we are going to get a breakout on this asset. And it's something that Johnny Crypto has been referencing for quite a while. But guys, we're about to break down how the banking system is going through the change of the century. And many of this involves Ripple and XRP. But before we do that, we got 266 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to play a video right now of Rosie Rios explaining how in order for the banking system to shift, there has to be a shock to the system supply and demand. And one of the data points that we used in this process was uh, working very closely on consumer behavior. Now, if you looked at, uh, if you heard me speak yesterday, you heard me say that consumer behavior is the hardest to change unless there's a shock to the system. So I'm going to share some uh, findings, some recent findings that I think will help us really think about what the future of money looks like. And just a little bit of background. So, yes, that is me up there with uh, the chair of the Federal Reserve at the time, Ben Bernanke, and my boss, Secretary Tim Geithner. And this is when we were unveiling the new $100 bill uh, in 2013. So if you look at your U.S. currency, you can look on the slide. That is my name on the lower left-hand side of U.S. currency. I am currently on about $1.8 trillion dollars. U.S. currency in circulation worldwide out of the 2.2 trillion. So no one makes more money than I do. So that congratulations, Rosie Rios, and that's just one of the reasons I believe she chose to go and work at Ripple. We played a video earlier in the week explaining how XRP currently works as a function 
not a store of value, Johnny. So in order for it to operate as a security, it can't have any use cases. Well, Rosie Rios is saying the only thing XRP has is use cases. It is not to be used as a store of value. We're going to play a video right now. She addressed it. In order for the system to change, there needs to be a shock to the retail investor. Well, here's how the system is going to change right now. We are going into a digital age that is centered around the Interledger Foundation and transferring money between banks using crypto. We eventually meet in the middle from all the foundational work. Interledger is already done on kind of the clearing protocols and so on. We, we get to a point where we do meet in the middle. Um, if, we, if we try to build from the bottom up now, basically we're saying merchants and customers have to only be you know famous customers which which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole interoperability thing but that's definitely yeah so the short answer that's that's definitely a use case we care about and, and we've given ourselves a goal of Q, q2 this year to have it live um uh yeah let's let's see <laughs> so there you go quarter two of this year they are planning on launching the interledger foundation and i've got a bunch of videos prepared for our listeners but this is a breaking video out of india as India's financial minister, can't pronounce her name, says the World Bank and IMF uh, plan on meeting this spring on April 24th in order to bring a significant step towards global crypto regulation. Well, Johnny Crypto, coincidentally, I'm trying to paint a picture here. We're about to break down how the internet of value is ready to go when it comes to banks and the role that XRP could play in transferring central bank digital currencies as well. So I know we got a lot of back-to-back videos, but this is the last one here explaining how the internet of value involves XRP. Internet of value or internet of blockchains or payments or kind of pick your pick your favorite term, but it's this this idea of the internet of, of money effectively. The reason that we talk about that is because what we need is an internetworking system for payment networks. And the, the word internet actually comes from internetworking. So what the what we need is a system that just connects up all of these in the background and just makes it work. So I, I let some people have heard me say this before, but I'll throw it out to the audience. What is Interledger's total addressable market size? All the money. There we go, Johnny Crypto. All the money, my friend. But when we talk about XRP and the XRPL being utilized by banks to transfer assets, there's plenty of evidence. And the reason that we're not seeing real world use cases in the U.S., is obviously because Gary Gensler and the state of crypto regulation today. But I'd love to get your thoughts. We just broke it down. Plan collapse. Here's the solution. What are you anticipating, my friend? And what does that mean for XRP investors that Interledger could be launching in quarter two of this year? Yeah, I mean, for me, the jury is still out. I'm not as optimistic as everybody yet of what's going to be the underlying system that's going to drive this whole thing. Is it going to be only XRP? Is it going to be the Onk system? Is it going to be... There's so many systems out there. Who knows what's being used in the background? Um, I think it'll be a coexistence of different systems trying to work together. We've uh, talked to several guests who have come on this show, absent, who have also thought the same thing, that it's not going to be just one. Um, will XRP be a piece of it? Sure. I believe, you know, they've already caught themselves integrated in 40 different countries. The system is being tested and used in places. And at that, at that point in time, it really is going to come down to, to adoption rates, who adopts faster or which system gets adopted faster. So I think XRP is in the race. And like I always tell you on this show, you got to have some horses in the race. And I've got a bunch of stables, of horses in my stable in the whole cross-border payment type area or money system at right? those different plays basically the iso 2222 uh compliance coins and things like that you just want to make sure you've got some of those in your bags thank you johnny and i want to give a shout out to coach jv here we're going to show you guys an interesting video out of the economic times and check out the numbers on this johnny this account has 1.5 million followers on youtube and this video of rosie rios deciding and discussing what the future of our financial system is going to be has 2,800 views and 33 likes. If you remove mine, 32 likes on planet Earth. 32 people have consciously watched this video. But guys, we're going to show you a quick, uh, a very important update on the difference between XRP being a function and a store of value. Share that I am on the board of Ripple. Ripple is XRP. And so when people ask me the question, why did you join the board of Ripple? I joined the board of Ripple because XRP serves a purpose. It's a function that facilitates cross-border payments. It's not some store of value, kind of arbitrary uh, uh, 
value that is not pegged to anything. This is actually what legitimate financial institutions use specifically for cross-border payments. So instead of days and dollars, it's seconds and cents. And Billy, you know what catches my attention about this whole thing? Before the Ripple was even sued by the SEC, the Federal Reserve said they weren't even operating or working on a central bank digital currency. In the middle of this lawsuit, since December of 2020, all the way until today, it's very interesting the Fed now could have easily coordinated an attack on Ripple in order to stop what they were doing to roll out their own service. And I know that Ripple typically focuses on international payments, but the Fed's initial product that they're launching right now is for business to business within the United States. Well, what's the next step? The next step is obviously international transfers between banks and Ripple's perfected that product. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. We talk about Operation Choke Point, the president of the United States giving the go ahead to the SEC, CFTC, Go out, sue crypto companies, and allow traditional finance to profit off of that while kicking Coinbase and these other companies out of the United States. Well, that seems very clear, and the FedNow's initiative plays perfectly into that. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Billy. What do you think about the Federal Reserve possibly you know, being behind the scenes and incentivizing the SEC to sue Ripple while they roll out their own product? So we've talked about that for a while now, that there, there was <clears throat> players behind the scenes that was doing this because there's no way they're going to give up that kind of power and that can, that kind of control and that kind of influx of, of funds all the time. Right. They just need to figure out how they could get their hands on it, how they could twist it for themselves. I want to touch on something else though. Uh, we have to come to, to an understanding and a thought process as we're going through this uh, to, to be able to discern press releases and what they tell us versus uh, what we understand if we can all come to a baseline and understand that they've lied to us from the beginning, can, can we understand that, that the government has lied to us from the beginning and start from that, that thought process? Going from that thought process and knowing that they've lied about everything, why in the world would they, why in the world would we believe that Fort Knox is full of gold? That's my first question. The second part of that, Rosie Rios did say that she'd seen it physically herself. But they have to say that because if they say anything else, they could get charged with crimes or inciting riot and violence and the world would go crazy for a second. So here's the other piece of that. Then if, if all that's true or not true, how is it that we feel a Bitcoin can go to a million dollars, but a gold that has utility and use cases and, and actual usage, physical usage behind it that's been bartered for hundreds of years won't go to three to five thousand dollars? It's, it's that process. We got to We really got to start thinking you know, on the sides of, of, of things like that. You know, what's interesting, Billy, and I'm going to kick it right back to you for a rebuttal. I think one of the, there's two narratives there. Number one, Bitcoin being rolled out as a digital gold is a dangerous narrative to attach to that currency because I think it puts a lot of weight on the sustainability of Bitcoin. Nobody even knows who created the thing. And if they do, it's undisclosed. So to say that Bitcoin and gold are synonymous, I do think it's a reach. But the second thing that has me concerned with gold is that for every tangible piece of gold in the banking system today, for every one piece of gold, there's a hundred paper slips in the banking system that are an equivalent in value. So I'm not smart enough to really determine what that means. But to me, that says that gold is either hyper suppressed or they're going to need a huge reevaluation process in order to get a $3,000, $5,000 gold. So Billy, I'd love to hear what that means. To you. There, and there's actually, uh, so one of my team members, Faye, she, she's our gold and silver person. And if uh, you can also look at ITM, Lynette, um, with ITM as well, it's very much suppressed. And there's countries that's going on right now that's revaluing, revaluing their gold. Um, so that's how happening across the, the world as we speak. And it has to happen with everything that's going on with the, the new changes that we have. If they're going to peg it to the uh, to the gold or they're not going to peg it to the gold, things are changing uh, and, and it's coming. If it's sort of like with XRP, some people believe it's going to go to 50,000. Some people believe Bitcoin is going to go to a million. Um, I'm a firm believer in gold and silver. And it's probably just because I'm an old head like Johnny. It's one of those things we like to touch. And no matter what happens in life, I know for a fact I can take that piece of silver and that piece of gold and I can find someone to barter with. No matter what, I can go anywhere in the world and find someone that's willing to trade me for that. Johnny, this is a really interesting update I found this weekend. U.S. personal savings rate by year. 1960, it was 10%. 7012, 8011. I'm going to skip all the way to 2022. 3.7% of their savings are going into their bank accounts. That is the lowest rate since 2007. And by comparison, the savings rate in 2008 was about 4.6% and 2009 was 6%. Here we are in 2022 with the fourth 
lowest monthly rating in U.S. history when it comes to savings, just 2.7%. And Johnny Crypto, we got 333 live listeners joining us on this Friday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to draw some connections between India's central bank digital currency and RippleNet, as well as several other partners. But I'd love to hear what it means to you. How do you feel about the savings rate in the U.S. being historically low, Johnny, while the credit debt is historically high? Oh, it's very interesting. Take a look at 2020 when people are sitting home and doing nothing, they tend to save money. That's really the most. There's a I lot think- of free, a lot of free money came in the mail that year though. Yeah. Oh, this, this, and, and you're right. That is totally true and continued through the next year. And, and I don't, oh, they don't have 2021 and that'd be interesting to see what it was. But, um, you know, just getting back to Rosie's comment, very interesting. <laughs> she basically bashed Bitcoin, kind of slapped it around a little bit saying, you know, oh yeah, it's not a store value, not tied to anything, but here's the, here's the deal. You know, you can say whatever you want about, and actually, you're abs, you're, you're right about the the whole thing of gold is being manipulated. Okay, gold should not be two thousand. The real experts who looked at gold and looked at what it would be based on an inflationary rate, gold should be sitting eight thousand dollars or in that ballpark range right now, but it's not. And and J.P. Morgan has already came out and been accused and paid fines for manipulating gold and silver. So let's just you know, I know you bash gold, but the reality is, if gold were allowed to do what gold is supposed to do, we'd be nowhere near you know, the 3X gains, we'd be way, way, way over. Um, But I want to touch on something you said about Bitcoin. The reality is what we're all seeing is Bitcoin is just proving that currency is nothing more than something that people have faith in to trade for something. That's all it is. That's all it is. And so as far as I'm concerned, the jury is still out on whether or not Bitcoin is or can be, you know, digital, you talk digital gold or, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing to call that. We don't know what it's going to be, but it could be because what is gold? It, gold is only valuable because people are willing to accept it for 5,000 years. People have been willing to accept it, you know, and going day, going forward, let's lay face it. Bitcoin's 10 years old. If people are willing to accept it for the next hundred years, guess what? It will be digital gold. That's what it will be called. It all comes down to people's willingness to accept Except something. What about scaling solutions? What about what about the fact that if so many people decide to adopt Bitcoin and actually exchange value on their network, it can't even handle that. It's going to have to go through some major upgrades before we get to that scaling point. Of course. As well as the fact that if you're using Bitcoin as anything other than a store of value, there's better alternatives. If you're going to, this is what was so stupid. And I want to use the word stupid about Coinbase promoting Bitcoin and Ethereum as payment solutions while delisting XRP after the 2021 lawsuit. They could have used any other use case, but the fact that they decided that Bitcoin was a great way to transfer money, it just shows where their head is at. And I think people are incentivized to make Bitcoin look good, make Ethereum look okay, and make everything else look garbage. I think you're spot on there. I don't disagree with that. I think that's correct. I do not think Bitcoin is a method of a payment system. It's a horrible system. Um, I I sent a Bitcoin yesterday. It took 10, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Not good for that. But is it good for holding as a store of value? And for every once in a while, maybe Billy and I decide, hey, we want to do something and we want to trade in Bitcoin. Yeah, you know, he's willing to accept and wait 10 minutes for it to come. It can happen. Um, But I I agree with you. It's not at all anywhere near something that's going to be. Now, they're putting the Lightning Network and things like that in place to try and make it faster and better apps. But I think from a scalability perspective, things like XRP will always, always be a better solution for the, for, uh, for payment systems. I also think it's better. And this is a, this might be a hot take here, but I actually think it's better when you do have a company facilitating use cases into your blockchain. When it comes to Bitcoin, one of the reasons you can only call it a store of value, there's no company facilitating a use case on that network. I know it's not possible, but my point being people like to say, Oh, ripple, what they're doing is negative. It puts things in a negative light. If they weren't being accused of selling an unregistered security by the SEC, what Ripple is doing for investors is making us money. They're driving banks into this blockchain, allowing it to have a real world use case. And people like us who are holding the token, they get to profit on the back end. But guys, we got 365 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and let the algorithm pump this out to as many listeners as possible. But we're going to play an interesting clip about 30 seconds here of Apple CEO stating he holds Bitcoin and Ethereum. Do you own crypto and any Bitcoin or Ethereum? Would you play around with this? I, I do. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to own it as a, as a part of a diversified portfolio. And I'm not giving anybody uh, investment advice, by the way. When, when did you get interested in it? Uh, I've been interested in it for a while. And uh, I've, you know, been researching it and, and, and so forth. And so uh, I think it's interesting. 
A whole lot of nothing there. How long you been into it? A while. It's interesting. But one of the things I wanted to point out here, Bitcoin and Ethereum, Bitcoin and Ethereum. These are the narratives that you're going to hear for the next couple of years while they keep you away from the projects that I believe are going to have some of the largest margins of profit heading into the 2025 bull run. But Johnny Crypto, I'd love to get some quick thoughts. Actually, let's kick it to Billy here. Billy, what did you think about uh, Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, not only promoting Bitcoin and Ethereum, but stating that they're very interesting and he's been, and he's been holding them for a while? It's the same thing they always say. It's a bunch of nothing, like you said. Wow, he said a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm still stuck on the gold thing. I want to go back to that for a second. Hold on. Uh, like when, when we're going through all this, you guys have to understand that all the computers that are going to be made, all the, 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 everything that's made for the computing, the Bitcoin, the crypto, the CBDCs, all the computers and everything are going to be made with gold and silver as well. So those are other things that it's going to be continuously and then when you talk about what well, we can recycle and you know use the gold and silver that's in there that we continuously use, we're only able to get back about 15 percent of the the precious metals that's used to make these so you're losing like 80 to 85 percent of your precious metals every time you use them in computers that that's a burn through like like you've never seen before on on a very precious uh metal and think about it you know that in the marvel comics and things they talk about unobtainium and things like that and how precious that is I wholeheartedly think unobtainium could be silver at some point in time um, because we do use it so much and go through it so much. So it'll be interesting how that plays out. I know that wasn't part of that, but I was still stuck on that. No, that was it. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. I'll comment on that one. First of all, I agree with you, Billy. I don't think people realize this, but silver is used primarily in a shit ton of electronics. No question about it. Um, and But getting to the article, you know, as we say this all the time, actually Coach says it, so kudos to him. Do... What the billionaires do, not what they say. And obviously, if he's investing in Bitcoin, it's just another billionaire that's doing it. And uh, I, you know, I would have liked to know when he got in. I wish he had given us a year. I was listening for that, but unfortunately, he didn't. However, nonetheless, it still is telling that a guy with that kind of money running this kind of company is putting some of his investment in Bitcoin. It tells you that the big boys are looking for diversification. And they're not afraid to use Bitcoin as that as one of those means of diversification. And again, I think that's those are clues, those are signs, and that's why I think Bitcoin is going to be here to stay because you've got a lot of billionaires that are also invested in it. We know Kevin O'Leary, we know Yusko, we know just a few we know Sailor. You now you heard Cook, and I'm sure there's a long list of a lot more of them that you just don't know about that are holding on to Bitcoin. Thank you, Johnny. And we're about to play a very interesting video. This is live. Gary Gensler put this video out and it's so interesting because I think it makes him look pretty bad. He said there's nothing incompatible with the crypto markets and securities laws. A goal of our work at the SEC is to bring this field into compliance, a.k.a. let traditional finance profit off this market. We're going to play about a minute of this clip here and go right back to the group. Here we go. You've been criticized by some for regulating the crypto industry by enforcement policy rather than by proposing rules. Why have you today been reluctant to propose new rules to govern crypto? It's pretty straightforward. There already are rules. They're called the securities laws and the securities rules. There's nothing incompatible about crypto and the current securities laws. So I think that really the goal of this agency is to bring this field into compliance. And I want to pause it there before he, he skips past that point. The goal of his SEC agency is to bring crypto into compliance. What does that mean, Johnny Crypto? We're about to explain it for our listeners as we pulled up a little bit of deep research. This is John Beaton explaining exactly what Gary Gensler is doing and what the end game is of this whole situation. I'm telling you, what's going to happen is they're going to crush this market until the incumbents come in and get a bigger slice. Go on Crypto Law US, my site. Gary Gensler in April 2018 at MIT discusses this issue he says the incumbent players are not going to let this happen he goes on to say that the disruptors will have to pay up to 50 percent of their business the man's on video at mit before being chairman is saying this so let's recognize what it is but if you have a regulator who is out of control like gary gensler your only option is to fight Johnny Crypto, floor is yours, my friend. You know, I mean, he took the words right out of our mouths. I mean, he just nailed it. We said that on this show a few a few weeks ago 
that what's happening here is you're seeing a shift of this industry moving from a bunch of you know little guys playing in the sand, getting to kind of do this thing what they wanted since 2008 or nine when they released Bitcoin and it has become a, a crypto industry to now the mafia, if you will, grabbing their grips and putting it in their you know the, in their hands and have they need to have a piece of it. They need to have a piece of it before it flies. And why abs? Part so part of it like it's it's bad that this is happening. But part of it is good, and I'll tell you the good side of it. I always look for the positive side, the, the silver lining. It's validation. It means they know this is going to be a monster industry, and they want to have a piece of it. They want to own it, and they want to control it. And so the benefit for that is you can see that once they do decide that they've got all their, their parts in place and their positions, you know, they're all in position, like Battleship might get your ships in the right position. Then they're going to let this own bitch fly like you've never seen before because they are going to be the ones to stand the profit. And all of us who have been here early enough, you know, I know it feels like we're late. Okay. You're not. You're very, very early. You're a special, you're a special 5% group of the globe. Nobody else, you know, only 5% in this industry right now. Um, you will be well. I shouldn't say this because I, I can't guarantee everybody's going to be well rewarded. Depends on what you're invested in. But the chance for this market to grow tremendously, abs. And you, we have the chart here. I don't know if you got it back there. You're pretty good. The chart that shows the, you know, the exponential growth of technologies and things as it grows up is going to be tremendous, tremendous. And so that's why I'm excited. I don't like all the bullshit that's going on right now, all the crap that they're putting us through and the way they're taking this market kind of away from the people who started it. But the reality is that's where it's going to go. And then once it's there, we're going to see, we're all going to stand to hopefully uh, benefit from generational wealth in the system. Johnny, one of the things I wanted to get another comment on you about is I think they miscalculated something here. And we're going to play our listeners a video of how crypto innovation is not only leaving the United States, it's ending up in specific locations that are competitors to what we're doing today. So one of the miscalculations I think that's going on with the SEC and this whole narrative to move traditional finance in while kicking companies like Coinbase, Binance, and so on out is the fact that they're they're pretending as if they control the entire global market. The United States is one small portion of the crypto market. And so if Gary Gensler makes it difficult to not only register, but operate in the United States, people aren't going to sit on their hands. They're going to go overseas and they're going to start their operations. And that's what we have evidence for in this next video. So before I get a response from you, this is a video explaining how crypto innovation is already moving to Dubai. And why would I call uh, Dubai a crypto capital of the world? Again, I'm slightly biased, but um, there are multiple, multiple reasons. First of all, English is the speaking and working language of the entire UAE. Japan, unfortunately, is a little bit difficult for non-Japanese founders and for non-Japanese companies. The connectivity, we are right in the center of the world, literally. Here's India with their billion uh, users. This China with their multi-billion of users. And, and, and Africa and Europe. We're right in the middle of it. We've got amazing infrastructure, be it internet, be it roads, be it um, uh, places where you live. And uh, I mean, I can't think of a better place to live um, and work. Um, the VC funds are moving into Dubai at a speed I've never seen in my life. We're saying and that's where Jeremy Hogan said the opposite's happening in the United States. He said since they've been sued by the SEC, almost zero companies have approached him about registering in the U.S. And instead... They're going to companies like Dubai or countries like Dubai, Japan, the UAE. There's several others that I can think of. But guys, we got 373 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, give me some quick thoughts on innovation moving out of the United States. Well, this is what's really, really sad is, you know, Gary says in that video you played, oh, the doors are open. Come on in. The SEC, we, we want to work with you. And when you go in there, what happens, Abs? What happens? Pow! You get slapped with a lawsuit. They basically figure out everything you're doing and they turn around and use it against you. Every single company who has tried to do that. And that's why Jeremy Hogan said right here on this show, there it is right there. Thank you. He literally said that there have been no, you know, or when they do go to him to talk, he's like, no, don't do it in the U.S. There's no clarity right now because it's too wishy-washy. The SEC decides whether you can or can't play. And if they don't like what you're saying or whatever, they slap you with a lawsuit. You saw it happen to Coinbase, saw it happen to Crack, you saw it happen to Nexo, saw it happen to um, Ripple. So it's too, it's too, they, and it's only because what we said earlier. They want a, they want to make sure they get their position in the right place. And we do know that a lot of this was going to get pushed outside of the U.S. Innovation was going to happen globally. 
And then the U.S. will be a follower later on as part of this. So I think that's what you're going to see. Now, I think at the end of the day, the one thing that kind of makes crypto great apps, it's borderless. It really, the technologies and the cryptos that we're invested in don't matter where they grow. Don't matter really. As long as they get adopted, if they get adopted globally, we're still going to potentially benefit from it. So I don't really, yes, I don't like that we're not innovating. And I think we can move faster with adoption if we did it here in the U.S. first, because we know we're, we're the number one innovator in the, in the world. But the reality is, We've chosen as a nation that we are not going to be a uh, an incubator for crypto. And instead, we know the nation that has. It's Dubai. Everybody wants to move to Dubai for the tax incentives, for the crypto-friendly welcome and, uh, rules and regulations. So Dubai will be the center and the hub of crypto. However, I think at some point the U.S. will say, okay, we're going to play too. And boy, it's going to be great for folks who, who are, you know who have been patient enough to hold on to what they got and get through this next two, three, four years, it's going to be painful. Yusko came on the show and said it. 2027 is when he expects the fight to be over. That's four more years. Four years, guys. Can you be patient for four years? I know I can. I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to be like coaches. I'll be hanging out like a, like a tick on a dog to 2030 and beyond. Facts. I, I want to just touch on that as well uh, about Dubai and why it's so different. If we look at where we are as a people and the ideology um, that that we are as a people, the West is completely different than the the rest of the world. And and just the things that we do, how we interact. And, and you got to think about it. When we came through the industrial age as a country, we became a business. I don't care how you look at it. Our country became a business at that time. And when we can get back, like Johnny was saying, if we could ever get back to building for the people and building for the companies and not building for the politicians and building for the governments. And we might be able to do something, but until then uh, it, the companies are going to continue to leave. Who would want to come work under this administration, this, this sec, this fed, nobody, like it, it's just, it would make no sense to. And I do want to touch on something that Johnny said earlier. Cause he said that, um, you know, those who hold on can be, can be rich. And I will say this because he, he backed his comment up a little bit. I think even if you lose all your money and you go completely broke in this, you are still going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams. And the reason I say that is because you're going to see the fucking truth. Finally, you see the games, you see what is really happening behind the scenes. So even if you don't get a dollar, the fact that you really see what's what's the truth and what's really happening behind the scenes, you are you are richer than 90 percent of the world uh, because you're, you're able to see it and not deal with the bullshit. And Billy, here's a little bit of evidence of actual American regulation being decided before this lawsuit even took place. The SEC's own expert on discoveries decided that between mid-2018 and onward, Bitcoin and Ethereum's gains can explain up to 90% of the returns on XRP's price chart. Guys, this is from the SEC in 2018. So what do we do? We turn to our friend Jeremy Hogan to get some comments. And that's what I'm going to show you right now. Jeremy Hogan commented, if the judge in the Ripple case wanted to split the baby, that's a horrific phrase, isn't it? She could rule that the sales of XRP since mid-2018 were not securities because even the SEC coincides that Ripple's actions are almost no effect on XRP's price chart since that point in time. And Johnny Crypto, that's music to my ears. I got to give you the floor and then we'll continue. Yes, that's what we've been saying for the longest time on this show is why the hell is the SEC not taking this simple win we know that Brad will say, yep, sign me up. I'll take that deal. I'll say anything before 2018 was the security. Here's your $100 million fine or $10 million fine. And they walk away with that paycheck. And Ripple walks away knowing that anything after 2018 is no longer security. That's what Brad wants. We know that. The SEC is in this business to make money. We know that. Why the hell they haven't split the baby? I don't freaking understand other than the fact that there's some other hidden agenda. And what we said, what we talked about is obviously – I think they're waiting for the, the boats to get in position, like in Battleship. They need to be in those certain spots, and then they're going to split the baby. That's my guess, Sabs, if you had to ask me. Thank you, Johnny Crypto, and we're about to play this video. This is our interview with Jeremy Hogan yesterday. I think it's a great way to end out the week, so we're going to play this short clip, and then we'll show. Right, so your initial statement is correct. A settlement, there's no appeal of a settlement, of course. The problem with the settlement is it has no effect on any other cases in the space. Right. So if Ripple settles with the SEC, it has absolutely no effect on the SEC's next lawsuit against another crypto company. 
So in a, in a sense, it's good for Ripple, but a settlement between the SEC and Ripple is bad for crypto. Correct. Because in the past, remember, every lawsuit that the SEC has brought in the past against these companies, no one has really been able to put up a fight. I mean, library put up a fight, but they only had like a million dollars to fight the SEC, which in the legal world is not a lot of money. Ripple's put a hundred million dollars into fighting the SEC. And the facts for Ripple are pretty good, better than for most crypto projects. So this is the case where the SEC could be, they're ramping up what they're doing, could be put to an end with the Ripple case because that will then be the end of the SEC being able to make some of these arguments they've been making in the past. So if Ripple settles, all of that money for the crypto space is wasted. Now, they would have to do what's in the best interest of the company. But at the same time, it's not going to have any effect as far as the other, you know, as far as crypto in general. If the judge really quickly, I'd like to pause it and just narrate that, Johnny. What he just said is that the SEC is incentivized to settle with Ripple, but Ripple is not incentivized to settle with the SEC. But what's interesting about that is when we get insight into the private conversations that have been had, the SEC is not willing to settle with Ripple, and they've given no indication that that's what they want to do. So the fact that the SEC is going out and not doing what's best for the agency, they're not going after the cash. What's the real objective here, guys? It comes back to what we said initially in the episode. They are stalling this technology to allow the people that pay their bills to roll out a similar product, and that would be the FedNow product. But I'm going to play the end of this clip, and we'll go back to the group here. Here we go. Those are Ripple's favor. I do not think the SEC is going to appeal. And the reason I say that is because there's no benefit to the SEC to appeal because if the case then goes up to the Second Circuit in the appellate court and the Second Circuit rules against the SEC, now that becomes binding precedent. And the SEC is screwed as far as any other lawsuits that they want to bring. So if I'm the SEC and I'm 90% sure this is what they would do and they lose, there won't be an appeal because they don't want to they don't want to mess up their whole agenda here in enforcing these regulations against the crypto space. So in my mind, the only way we get the Ripple test is if Ripple loses at the trial court level, appeals it up to the Second Circuit, because then Ripple will do it because they have the money and they have the incentive to do it. And they're going to want the Second Circuit to say, no, we're going to replace the Howey test with the Ripple test, and we're going to require an investment contract to actually have a contract. So that's how that would all work. Now, time-wise, we get the we'll play the time-wise to end the episode, Johnny, but how do you feel about Jeremy Hogan's statements there? Oh, I think that's a wonderful show. Look at that crew on there that he had that day. But no, <laughs> um, on a serious note, I mean, you know, some of that was eye-opening for me as well, Abs, to realize that going to – I didn't realize that the second appellate court is the one that's binding, not the first. So the first one really doesn't matter, which actually is good news for all of us as XRP holders, Abs. Because what you want there is if Ripple wins, we now know that the SEC is probably most likely not going to sue, which means this case will finally come to an end. Johnny, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this right. So he said if Ripple wins, that does not set precedent going forward, correct? It sets a precedent, but a very weak precedent where like what he said was other court cases, if the SEC sues them, they can come back and they can point to that case and they can kind of say, Oh, yeah, you know, if the facts are kind of similar, yeah, hey, remember what the judge ruled in that one. And they'll use it. They'll point to it. But if it goes to the appellate case and it becomes precedent and, and the appellate case upholds the ruling, now it becomes binding, which means now the SEC can't even use. They can't even go after anybody using the same situation. They basically have no teeth. They're going to their teeth are going to get ripped out of their mouth. Like take it, you know, take their teeth and rip that son of a bitch out with a plier. They won't be able to have no bite. They're done. They're finito. So. That was a new learning for me. I didn't realize that. So the good news is I always thought no matter which side lost, it was going to appeal and it was going to appeal again. And now what we learned, thank you, Jeremy Hogan, you're the best, that no, that's not going to happen, Abs. If Ripple wins, this case is pretty much done because there's too much at stake for the SEC where they lose their power, Abs, if they appeal and they lose that appeal. And most likely they will, because if they lost the first case, they're probably going to lose the appellate case. And now they lose their power. So this is why it makes me it makes me wonder, OK, you know what? Maybe they don't want the money, which I can't understand why they wouldn't. And they're just going to let this and go to the judge and the judge decides and that's it. And then we'll see where it lands. Or most likely what you said, it's probably some kind of stall tactic while they let other technologies get into play. 
And then once they're in position, that's what I believe is happening here. Then they're going to be like, okay, you can end this case. We don't care no more. We've delayed you long enough. And you can go play wherever you can find space in the sandbox to play. And I believe Ripple will find place places to play. But did they lose some places? Probably in this delay. Will it hurt us in the long run? I don't know. We're in still a speculative play mode. So I think you'll still see XRP will do a significant pump to the point where people can make some good, you know, generational wealth. Johnny, if this doesn't expose the playbook for Gary Gensler, I don't know what does because just two months ago, he came out and he said that typically the exchanges operating in America today are not considered safe custodians. What happened just two weeks after that announcement, the NASDAQ, NASDAQ. The NASDAQ comes out and says, not only are they a safe custodian, they're hey. going to be custodying your crypto assets starting this summer. But guys, if that's not money signs, I really don't know. That's called got, proof in the pudding, Abs. Proof exactly, pudding. my friend. And we got 378 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this video of Brad Garlinghouse breaking down everything happening on the XRPL. Describe myself as where a plumber's the global financial infrastructure. And that's not about going to Starbucks and using XRP to buy a coffee. Yeah. That'd be, you could do that, hypothetically, and then Starbucks could choose to accept that. But I don't think that's where we are. You know, Vitalik, one of the founders of the Ethereum ecosystem, he, he was on a panel at a Ripple event, and the, the question he was asked was, who's the competition? And he pulled out a $20 Canadian bill and said, this is the competition. I couldn't disagree more. The, the, the comp if we go out and say we're going to attack the system, we're attacking fiat, at the same event, we had Ben Bernanke come and speak, and he's like, look, central governments will control in one money supply. This is fundamental to be a sovereign nation. And so this idea that we're, I mean, I agree with Katie, like I don't call it cryptocurrency. I refer to them as digital assets. And Johnny, what catches my attention about that video is the fact we said this millions of times before they roll out the tanks in the streets before they relinquish control of the money. And so to say that we're going to go into a decentralized money system without any pushback from the government, the military, and especially the financial institutions that are winning today, it's very naive. And I think Brad just hinted at it there. If we're going to win this battle, we are going to have to fight, whether that's in court or in the streets with our fists. I'd love to hear what it means to you, Johnny. We, there's no battle for us to fight. We, we, we are not fighting this battle. Okay, the, the, the bigger players are moving their, position, their, their, their ships in position to benefit from it. We just talked about NASDAQ being another one of those uh, indicators of what's happening. And there ain't a damn thing much we can do about it other than the one thing we can do is just continue to support and use it, right? And that'll give it some life, support those senators that are kind of supporting it. But the reality is I think we all know how the world works. We know that there's big players that play behind the scenes, moving and making this thing, you know, molding this into what it's going to be. And I think all we can do from our perspective is continue to look for um, plays that have real-world utility and solves and make sure you have some of those in your basket. Maybe donate some money to some senators that, that want to help fight the fight. But I, I think there's very little we can do, you know, as individuals in this space other than, you know, again, continue to support it. Uh, use Bitcoin. Use use XRP. Use the different technologies and, and hope that they grow and they gain adoption. And like, that's what we're trying to do here on the Good Morning Crypto Show, right? We're showing these real world use cases. We're showing applications of how it can better the world and how it can make our lives simpler. I think those are things we can do um, to help fight the good fight abs. But I think some of it, I think a good chunk of it is out of our hands. And I'm just being honest and maybe people disagree with me, but uh, I, that's just how I feel. Absolutely, Johnny Crypto. And if you're going to win this battle, you're going to need some profit. And if you're looking to take profit in this market, the best way to do so is using our application, the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. 
go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Johnny Crypto, not only is it the smartest way to track your crypto, but the title of our episode is XRP Investors, 10 Things You Need to Know. And that's what we're going to get to before I forget. I want to show our listeners the 10 things that David Schwartz said, all of these are true when it comes to XRP investors. And we can tie this into Merlin as well, Johnny Crypto. I'm going to read through the 10 things that David Schwartz said, all XRP investors need to know. And we can talk about if you agree with him. So the first thing would be XRP cannot be pegged to gold, silver, or anything else. I feel the hearts breaking in the community right now. XRP can't magically just become a stablecoin. Stablecoins are issued on the XRPL, are not XRP. The XRPL requires electricity to operate. XRP can only exist on the XRPL. Otherwise, it's an IOU. XRP has nothing to do with ISO 20022. Interledger does not require XRP. All the money in the world does not run across the XRPL. The U.S. government is not going to buy your XRP, and RippleNet is totally different from the XRP ledger. Now, there's a lot of truthful statements and a lot of broken hearts out there. When it comes to not being involved in ISO, not being required on Interledger, or not magically becoming a stablecoin, some of these are good and some of these are bad, Johnny. What do you think about this overall list and the fact that Many of these things are what Ripple holders are anticipating, even though David Schwartz said they're not coming. No, this is what I love. This is this is what we've been trying to say and why, you know, I've always felt that, again, it'll just coexist and be something that, you know, again, says it right there. All the money in the world will not run across the XRPL. I mean, that's number eight is kind of what, what we've been touting this whole time is it, there'll be a coexistence of systems that will help all that money move, right? Um, it's, there's not going to be a buyback. I mean, that whole thing was crazy. Think about how illogical that is. You can buy XRP right now at whatever, 40, 50 cents. Why would they buy it back at 35,000? I mean, that argument never made any sense to me whatsoever. Never understood it. Again, it's hype and it's fact. And that's why it was very smart of, of David Schwartz to put that out there to kind of help set the record straight. I think that's a fan. I got, I got to actually retweet that. That was a great article. Johnny, um, what do you think about this? This is Crypto Lulu's response because I know that he's talked about many of these ideas before and he said correct in reference to the first point. XRP cannot be pegged to gold, silver, or anything else. Crypto Lulu commented correct, but gold can be tokenized and said token can have a pegging mechanism. Also, just by its role in the new system, I'll kind of be backed by everything. No, like the US military backs the dollar. Quite I mean- literally- I don't know. Listen, here's the deal in terms of item number one. So whether it can be pegged to XRP and XRP can peg to that's literally a government decision. If the government were to say, hey, we're going to take XRP and we're going to make XRP official U.S. money, currency, and we want to peg it to gold, they could do that. But is that going to happen? No. Highly unlikely. Most likely not. Not going to happen. It's not going to be a stable coin. Number three, you know, issue. There's yeah. a couple of nuances here too. And Billy, I'd love to get your thoughts. It says, so on number seven, Interledger doesn't require XRP. That's true, but it can use XRP for settlement. Number six, XRP has nothing to do with ISO 20022. That's true when it comes to the transferring of value. When you talk about compliance, the XRPL is in perfect compliance with those protocols. I can go through each one of these and I have a slight rebuttal, but I don't necessarily want to bore people with that. Billy, is there anything on this list that sticks out to you? Or does this change how you look at XRP at all? No, I mean, this is everything that we've been talking about and kind of been telling people. I've never thought the government was going to buy anything back from us. And if you look at the history of time, a government buyback has never been for the people. It's for the government. Hence, a government buyback. If they're buying something back for you, it's not for your purpose. So trust me, you're not getting 35000 from the government for a damn coin. Um, XRP has nothing to do with ISO 2000 or 2022. Yeah, I agree with that. It's on the other side of it. It wasn't for that purpose. A lot of this I do agree with. And I really agree with what Lou and um, Johnny was talking about. The government can peg whatever they want to peg. Um, just like you said, you know, with the military and the the U.S. dollar, the only reason the U.S. dollar hasn't been taken off of the world currency right now is because of the military presence. Hence, it's pegged to the dollar. So that was a great statement. But yeah, the government will choose whether, whether or not on what it gets pegged to. But yeah, most of that it, there's some nuances in there, like you said, but in general, yeah, that, that's right on the money, fam. 
Talons, I got to get some thoughts from you as well. What's interesting about this comment here is XRP is being kept out of the American citizens' hands for a reason. It will make you rich, said one of our listeners. And I do agree. It is being intentionally kept out of the hands of retail investors. We can debate if that's to make them rich or not. But right now, undisputable fact, the only place you can really buy XRP in America is Uphold. So if we did have a bull run and there was a lot of American citizens who wanted to buy this technology, many of them aren't even going to know where to go. So Tones, what does it mean to you, my friend? How do you feel about XRP being kept away from American citizens? I mean, it kind of sucks. I mean, the people that want to be able to get in and diversify their uh, portfolio can't. If they want to invest in certain things, they can't because they're being pushed away. So it's it's not really fair. And so it makes it difficult for these people to get involved. And so then they start to probably get scared because they don't trust the system. If it's not offered all over the place, then people are going to be like, okay, why isn't offered here? And then they're going to see it's in a lawsuit. And then they're going to get even more scared because people don't understand what's going on, right? If they see that it's in a lawsuit with the SEC, then forget about it. Then people are going to be like, okay, I'm going to stay away from this. So I feel like this is really big. And so I feel like I, it needs to be, people need to be doing more research, especially when things like this with the top 10 or with the, that 10 uh, list coming out, I feel like it's really important to do research and see what is actually going on with these coins and what you need to know, because there's real facts out Thank there. Thank you so much, John. Sorry to cut you off, but I got to end the episode, my friend. We got 361 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I hope you guys have an amazing weekend with your friends and family. Happy Easter. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.